Hello and welcome to our weekly message. In today's message, Pastor Myron concludes our Easter sermon series called Journey to Easter. This week's message is titled The Tomb, from Mark chapter 15, verse 42, to chapter 16, verse 7. 100 years ago, back in 1922, a British Egyptologist, Howard Clark, made one of the greatest archaeological discoveries of all time. 650 kilometers south of Cairo, in a place called the Valley of the Kings, Howard and his team managed to unearth the ancient tomb of the Pharaoh known as King Tut. What was incredibly unique about this archaeological discovery was the fact that unlike other similar tombs which had been pilfered over the years by treasure hunters, King Tut's tomb was filled with priceless artifacts including the mummified remains of King Tut himself. And so it was that uh, in time after they had taken all of the artifacts out of the tomb and documented them, and that took eight full years, they took the mummy that was King Tut and his priceless artifacts and they put them on exhibit and this traveled the world. And millions upon millions of people lined up for hours to get a look at King Tut, his mummy, and the artifacts from his tomb. And the world celebrated. Why? Because the tomb was not empty. On this Resurrection Sunday, friends, we celebrate because the tomb of our king was empty. And so I invite you on your device and your Bibles to turn to Mark chapter 15, And beginning with verse 42, we're going to study this morning through to Mark 16 and verse 7. Mark begins his gospel account, his biography of the life of Jesus, in chapter 1 and verse 1 by saying the beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Now the gospel, or the good news, is the glorious truth that God in Christ has dealt with our sin problem. So that all who turn from their sins and turn in faith to Jesus as their only Savior and Lord are forgiven their sins, restored to relationship with God, and given the free gift of forever life. Of this good news then, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul writes these words. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The Apostle Paul in those verses identifies three vital aspects of the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And in the scripture verses from Mark that we're going to look at this morning, Mark zeroes in on each of those crucial aspects of the gospel, the good news about the Lord Jesus. And so beginning with verse 42 then, And through to verse 45, friends, we see that Jesus' death was acknowledged. Jesus' death was acknowledged, verse 42. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead, summoning the centurion, He asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. 
following a brutal beating, a deadly scourging, and then having hung on the cross for six hours, the Lord Jesus died. Joseph of Arimathea, an influential member of the Sanhedrin, now went to Pilate, the Roman governor, to ask for the body of the Lord Jesus. Luke in his gospel tells us that Joseph of Arimathea, though he was a member of the Sanhedrin, had not agreed with the rest in their condemnation of the Lord Jesus. And John in his gospel adds that Joseph... A member of the Sanhedrin was a follower of Jesus, all right, but he was a secret disciple out of fear for the Jews. Have you seen the show Undercover Boss? I mean, it's reality TV, so it is what it is. But if you've seen the show, you kind of know the shtick. They take a CEO of a company, and he gets hired on as an entry-level worker of a, certain, of a certain company. And in this one episode I was watching... There was the guy who was the CEO of a frozen yogurt company. So he gets hired at an entry-level position. He's an hourly wage guy. And a co-worker is training him. And this co-worker is kind of going impromptu on the recipe for the frozen yogurt desserts and doing it his own way. And you can imagine what the CEO was thinking of all of this. And then this trainer was just bossing this guy around nonstop. And finally she chirped at him, I really like telling people what to do. There was a surprise awaiting that employee at the end of the show. Now, going undercover maybe makes for kind of curious and slightly fascinating reality TV, but going undercover is incompatible with being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, it's not always easy as disciples of Christ, as followers of the Lord Jesus, to make a stand for Christ in our world. We live in a post-Christian culture. The pushback can be strong. Not only that, the message of the good news simply states straight up that people are desperately sinful and separated from God as a result of their sins. And it further adds to that by saying that Jesus is the only way by which we might be forgiven our sins and restored to relationship with God. So at points the message is not culturally palatable. But friends, this is the good news of the Lord Jesus. And for all who yield to Christ in faith, their lives are transformed for time and eternity. And this good news is for everybody. So the time is now for the people of God to boldly step forward and declare that I am a follower of the Lord Jesus by faith. That moment arrived for Joseph of Arimathea. Watching his Lord hang on a cross in public shame and agony was a profound moment for Joseph. And so though he'd previously been a secret disciple, now he stepped up and he boldly went to Pontius Pilate and he asked for the body of the Lord Jesus. Now here's the thing about courage. It's contagious. The Word of God tells us that now another guy, another member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus, he also stepped forward and he gathered aromatic spices together that would be used for the burial of the Lord Jesus. Again, friends, we are living as followers, disciples of Christ, to whom the message of the gospel has been commended. May we step forward in graciousness, but unequivocally, 
to say that we are followers of Jesus by faith and we are not ashamed of the truth that King Jesus died and rose from the dead to deliver from their sins all who choose in faith to yield their lives to him. Well, on that day, Joseph having gone to Pilate and Pilate having assured himself in conversation with the soldier who was in charge of executing Jesus, that Jesus was in fact dead, well, Pilate then released the body to Joseph. If in those verses we see that Jesus' death was acknowledged, now in verses 46 and 47 we see that Jesus' burial was accomplished. He was actually put into a tomb. Verse 46. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Typically, in the Roman way of doing things, when a victim was crucified and died, the body was just left there to rot on the cross, or maybe was thrown into the garbage dump. But it seems from these verses that God the Father had been at work behind the scenes to ensure that that would not happen to his son, the Lord Jesus. It took a lot of preparation in that time in history to bury a body. You had to have the tomb. You had to get the linen. You had to assemble all of those aromatic spices. In this instance, 35 kilograms worth of spices. And so it was that God had moved in the hearts of Joseph and Nicodemus to do just that. They went and they got the body of the Lord Jesus and prepared it. And then Jesus was laid in the tomb. Linen is a cool metaphor. It's a cool picture in the scriptures. Linen in the word of God speaks of righteousness. Friends, if it was up to you and to me to try and earn a relationship with God and work our way into heaven based upon our own righteousness, we would be dead in the water. Why? Because we don't have any. The Word of God declares in Romans chapter 3, there is no one righteous, not even one person. But thanks be to God, our Lord Jesus Christ epitomized the righteousness of Almighty God. And the perfect Son of God, having entered into our world as God incarnate, by His perfect life, and by His death and resurrection, friends, He made the way open for us to be wrapped, robed, clothed in His righteousness, so that now all who are in Christ Jesus by faith, the righteousness of Jesus is placed upon our accounts by the grace of God. If you've said yes to Jesus as your only Savior and Lord, Jesus' righteousness is your righteousness. And when the Father sees you, he sees the perfection of his Son. It means that one day I'll cross the finish line and I will get to heaven and I will not get there on my righteousness. I will get there on the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that was put on my account by the grace of God. I also won't get there in my sinfulness because all of that was forgiven by the grace of the Lord Jesus who died and rose for me. And it was applied to my life when I yielded myself in faith to Christ. And if you are in the Lord Jesus by faith, the same is absolutely true of you. All right, so Jesus, his death was acknowledged, his burial was accomplished. He was laid in the tomb, 
There were some ladies there that observed this happen. The stone was rolled over the mouth of the tomb. And that brings us now to chapter 16, where we see that Jesus' resurrection was acclaimed. It was gloriously acclaimed, announced. Verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Friends, what can account for this reality? That a ragtag group of disciples who in that moment when Jesus was crucified all scattered and fled, what can account for that group? Ending up at the place where we are today, where one in three people on this planet identifies as a Christian. What could account for that? How is it that the Lord Jesus Christ, who never himself wrote a book, has had tens and tens and tens of thousands of volumes written about him? How is it that Jesus, who never composed a song, has had more songs written about him than any other subject? How is it that the Lord Jesus, who never traveled more than 150 kilometers from the place where he was born, today has followers in every nook and cranny on planet Earth? How is it that those things have happened? There's only one explanation, my friends, and that is the truth of the literal, historical, physical, bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. On that first Easter Sunday morning, those ladies, they went to the tomb with spices to lovingly anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. On their way, they openly mused about how exactly they would manage to roll the heavy stone away from the mouth of the tomb. Upon arriving there, they were surprised to see that the stone was rolled out of the way. So they stepped into the tomb to try and investigate and figure out what was going on. And to their shock... They were confronted by a man wearing a long white garment. It was, of course, the angel of the Lord who declared to them that the Lord Jesus that they were looking for in the realm of the dead, he was not there, for he was risen just as he said he would. Our God in those moments on that first Easter Sunday blasted open the tomb of hopelessness to open up a world of possibilities. And the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ lives, it means so many huge things for each of us here today. First of all, it means this, friends. It means that our faith is firm. Our faith is firm. The fact that Christ lives means that our faith is firm. I mean, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're trusting in we're hoping in a dead Lord Jesus that has no power of any kind to make any difference in anybody's life. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, even as he claimed, now that makes a world of difference. Someone has put it this way. 
If Jesus is in the grave, nothing else matters. But if Jesus is not in the grave, then absolutely that is the only thing that matters. Our king lives, and it means that in this world of uncertainty in which we live, our faith is firm, it's rock solid, it's founded in the living Lord Jesus Christ. And every day forward as God grants us, even in this world of uncertainty and confusion and complexity, we go forward with a confidence that our king lives and Jesus reigns. And that fills our hearts with hope. The truth of the resurrection also means this, my friends. Our testimony is true. Our testimony about the Lord Jesus Christ is true. Now some time management gurus, they sat down and identified the top four things in this article that I read that are time wasters for people. It was for me a surprising list. Here are the top four things that people waste time on. Complaining. Social media. Too much television and gossiping. That's quite the top four, hey? How about this? If Jesus is not risen from the dead, we could add one more to that list. I am epically wasting my time this morning. What's more, I'm wasting yours too. Collectively, that's a lot of wasted time. But Jesus is risen, amen? And that means that when we share a little bit of our story with our friends as we seek to journey with the people that God has brought into our lives, closure to Christ, it matters. Because our testimony is true. Jesus lives and he's changed our lives. Not only that, when we testify to the truth of the gospel that King Jesus, the perfect Son of God, died and was raised to life, that message is authority. That message has power. It's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Why? Because our King lives. The truth that Jesus was raised to life on the third day also means this. Our sin is solved. Our sin problem is absolutely overcome through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Christ's last word as he died on the cross of Calvary was the word to telestai, which translated means it is finished or it is fully accomplished. Our pardon, the forgiveness of our sins, everything that needed to be done in that moment to satisfy the righteousness of Almighty God, it had been accomplished through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ so that from the cross he would declare, it is finished. On that day in which Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate to ask for the body of the Lord Jesus, Pilate turned to Joseph, who was a prominent guy in the Sanhedrin and in the community, and he said, Joseph, you're a great guy, you're a generous guy, but really? That choice piece of real estate, that tomb for the rabbi from Nazareth, why Joseph? And Joseph responded, seriously, dude, he only needs it for the weekend. The conversation may or may not have gone like that. But this much is for sure. Because Jesus only used that tomb for the weekend, our sin problem is solved forever. If we are in Christ Jesus by faith, we are forgiven and set free. Amen? And not only that, 
Because Jesus lives, friends, death is defeated. Death is defeated. Woody Allen once said, I'm not afraid to die, actually. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> Hebrews 9.27 tells us straight up that it is appointed to every person wants to die. Unless our Lord Jesus returns first, every one of us watching online and every one of us in this room, we will experience physical death. But for the follower of Jesus by faith, for the person who's chosen to yield their life to Jesus is the only one who could rescue them out of their sins and lead their life for such a one, the moment of physical death will see that person ushered in the conscious presence of Jesus in heaven and then awaiting that moment when Christ most certainly will return and all of his followers will be raised to glorious new physical bodies like unto Christ's physical body, and so we will be with the Lord Jesus and with one another forever because our King lives. We have a rock-solid hope beyond the grave. Harry Houdini was the master magician in the early 20th century, and he was well known for his escapes from all kinds of seemingly impossible situations. And so, for example, they put Harry Houdini in straitjackets and even dumped him in a body of water. On another occasion, they riveted him inside a boiler. On another occasion, he was placed inside a maximum security prison. It didn't matter where they put the guy. He managed to find a way out. He managed to escape. Then, on October 31st, 1926, death laid its hand on Harry Houdini. Earlier, he told his wife, Beth, that when death should visit him, if there was a way out, he'd find it. And on his birthday, he would contact his wife. And so thereafter, for 10 years, on Harry Houdini's birthday, his wife, Bess, would light a candle and set it by his portrait, and she'd wait for her husband to contact her. And they'd come up with their own secret code so that she would really know that it was him who was contacting her. She did this every year for 10 years, and guess what? After 10 years, she had heard absolutely nothing so finally, she put out that candle for one last time, and she said, ten years is long enough to wait for any guy. <laughs> Harry Houdini had been unable to escape the clutches of death. One day, death also laid hold of our Lord Jesus Christ. And his body was wrapped in linen, and he was placed in a tomb. And a heavy stone was rolled over the mouth of that tomb. And upon that heavy stone was placed the inviolable seal of imperial Rome. But on the third day, our king was raised to life, and he came out of the tomb, and he lives forevermore. And for you and for me as followers of Jesus by faith, this means that our faith is firm, our testimony is true, our sins are solved, and death is defeated, and all of that and so much more because our King lives. Let's pray. Father God, on this Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate with joy, with enthusiasm, the truth proclaimed by your word, the truth of history, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified, dead, and buried, that he was raised to life on the third day. How grateful we are 
that we follow a risen and living king who walks with us to bring to his people hope and joy and encouragement and strength and wisdom and protection. Every step of the way, every day of our lives, how grateful we are for this. And then, Lord Jesus, I think of that person, perhaps here in our room, or someone that's joined us online, and they're wondering about what it would mean to know personally, by faith, this Lord Jesus, who is the risen King, Spirit of the living God. I pray that in these moments you would make Jesus just so beautiful and so wonderful and so real to them, and you would draw them to faith in the Lord Jesus and into the heart of the Father that they too might know forgiveness and hope for time and for forever in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things we pray in the name of our risen King. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our weekly message. Today we celebrate that the grave could not hold him and that Jesus is alive forevermore. Jesus, through his resurrection, paid the debt for our sins, conquering and defeating both the grave and death. One day, death laid its hand on Jesus. Our Lord was placed in a tomb and over the mouth of the tomb was set the seal of imperial Rome. But on the third day, Christ rose from the dead and left the tomb, leaving behind his grave clothes. And because Jesus lives, our faith is founded, our testimony is true, sin is subdued, and death is defeated. All because Christ is risen from the dead. As a result of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have the opportunity to live in relationship with our Heavenly Father. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and would like to learn more, please reach out using the email help at hhachurch.com. That's help, H-E-L-P at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Alliance, Church, C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. And we would love to talk with you more about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. Now these words from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day. Be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.